Let's read tonight in Luke chapter number 16 and verse number 19. The Bible said there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died. And notice those words. And it came to pass. In other words, it became a reality. That the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And he said, I pray thee, therefore, notice those words, then I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this time. God, we can come around your word. Help us, dear God. I pray that you'd anoint us, use us for your glory. God, I pray that you'd clothe us in her calling tonight, dear God. I pray, dear God, you'd give us unction from the Holy One. Oh, God, that we'd be able to speak the wonderful words of life. Dear God, we pray now that you'd open our hearts to this scripture. Help us to see, uh, dear God, as Brother Chris so uh, aptly preached, that this is not just a cuss word. Dear God, this is a reality and the truth. God, I pray in Christ's name that you'd help us to glean the truths that you've given us from this scripture tonight. I pray that you'd encourage your children. Oh, God, if there's anything we ought to be able to, to be able to shout about, God, it's that we don't have to go to hell. Oh, God, thank you for your salvation. Thank you, Lord, uh, for this church, and I pray your blessings upon it. Dear God, uh, encourage your children tonight. Bless them. And our Father, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You can be seated. Now, let me say before I get into the message, it's always an inspiration to me uh, to come to Charity Mission Free Will Baptist Church. It's always a great blessing. And uh, Brother Chris, Brother Dennis, preachers are a blessing to me. I try to pray for my preacher brothers as much as I can. Listen, (laughs) you don't worry about them getting the big head. You worry about them getting the broken heart. Here. You pray for the men of God because it's not going to be easy from here on out, I guarantee you. There's going to be trials and tribulations. So you encourage the man of God and the men of God here in this church. You encourage preachers to preach the word. That's what God said. And I'll tell you right now tonight, I've got a whole lot of scripture. I'm not going to, uh, I've got probably an hour's preaching worth on the introduction, but I'm not going to build a big front porch tonight, preacher. I'm going to try to get through this 
and get to the, the truths that God gave me this afternoon sitting there. God gave me some new things, and boy, it's always good when God gives you something new, ain't it? When God gives you something fresh. But the Bible said here that in verse number 22, it said it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. The Bible said, and in hell, in hell, did you notice the two little words, I-N? It said, in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. I never read anywhere in the scripture, preacher, where he got that drink of water. I never read anywhere in this story where he got the mercy he was asking for. So I'm going to bring you a message on this thought tonight. Beyond the reach of mercy. That's a terrible thought, ain't it? The Bible said the mercy of the Lord endureth forever. I believe it's in Psalm 136. That word or those words, that line is in every verse. All 26 verses of that psalm. The mercy of the Lord endureth forever. God's mercy is everlasting till everlasting. But mercy cannot be enjoyed until you receive it. Mercy cannot be lived until you serve God. That's the message that God gave me on mercy. Hey, there's, I'm glad there's mercy in serving God, aren't you? Hey, Paul come to the point uh, where he said, I was pressed beyond measure. I thought I was going to die. But God gave him mercy. God is a merciful God. But listen, God's mercy will only last as long as you live. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God's mercy is eternal. God's mercy is everlasting. That's never going to change. What changes is where we are. The Bible said it came to pass that that rich man died and in hell he lift up his eyes. Now there's a reason for this real life story that we find right here. If you go back to chapter number 15 you'll find that the Pharisees were deriding Jesus and they were mocking him. Uh, They were bringing a reproach on him because he sat down to eat with sinners. And he told them four parables right in a row. That, and he told them the importance of sinners being saved. He told the, them the importance of repentance. He told them the importance, thank God, of mercy. Why Jesus came. Why the good shepherd came. And what he came for. The Bible said, thank God, he come to seek and to save of that which was lost. But then... Uh, In their reply, they began to deride him and buke him. So he rebuked them. And he said, you're a bunch of hypocrites. And he went on to say, I'm going to tell you a real life story. I've given you four parables telling you how good the Savior is, how good the shepherd is, and how merciful God is. But I want to tell you a real life story. And I really believe that Jesus knew Lazarus, don't you? The Bible said the good shepherd knows his sheep. I mean, we know that Lazarus was saved because he went to heaven. (laughs) Praise God. So Jesus knew. I believe Jesus knew where he lived. I believe Jesus knew all about the story. And like I said before, Jesus was the only one that could look into both sides. That could look into hell and to heaven at the same time and know exactly what was going on. Now, the word hell in uh, the original language is the word holna, which means to cover and it means to conceal. 
book of Job said, Hell is naked before him. Destruction hath no covering. Listen. <laughs> what did the Bible said? If I make my bed in hell, behold, he said, Thou art there. Now there's many different words in the Bible for hell. Sheol's one of them. It means the region of the dead. But it always reveals a state of being and never the grave as a final resting place. The, the word we use here uh, in this scripture is the word Hades, of course. There's another one called Gehenna, which is in Matthew 5 and 29 in Luke chapter number 12, which talks, it's uh, uh, referring to the Valley of Hinnom. It was a trash dump that was always burning. Preacher, I thought about when I studied this, how you said when you went by there in Riverton City, and that trash dump was on fire. You'd go by with a white shirt. And if you opened the window, that shirt was smutty looking. Because that trash was always burning. You see, that's what was taking place there in the Valley of Hinnom. That's why God uh, designated the word that would be everlasting burning. Then in Second Peter 2 and 4, there's a word Tartarus, which means a reserved pit of darkness. And that's what God said he'd done uh, for all those angels that left their first place. But I want us to look at just a couple of things by way of introduction about hell. People have got complacent. Even church people have got complacent about the word hell and about what hell is. Listen, the Bible said hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of men are never satisfied. I'll read you just a verse of scripture right here out of the book of Isaiah. The Bible said, because ye have said, we have made a covenant with death and with hell, we are at agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall uh, not come unto us, for we have made lies our refuge. And under falsehood have we hid ourselves. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, glory to God, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Judgment also will I lay to the line and righteousness to the plummet. And the hail shall sweep through the refuge of lies and the water shall overflow the hiding place and your covenant with death will be disannulled and your agreement with hell shall not stand. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, then shall you be trodden down by it. I mean, we've gotten to a place just like they did, uh, like the Bible tells about in the book of uh, Revelation about the church of Laodicea. What did it say about them? It said they were rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. God said you need to repent. You need to realize exactly where you're at. Listen, religion today is just like the parable of the rich man, ain't it? Oh yeah, I'm gonna tear my barns down and build greater. I've got all this stuff. Everything's going fine. I'm not worried about hell. I'm not worried about eternity. I'm not worried about anything. I'll tear my barns down and build bigger. And, and uh, I'll have fruits for many years. It said, you fool. Do you not know that this night thy soul shall be required of thee? Listen. Also, uh, Brother Chris mentioned when he was preaching the message on, on hell not here not long ago about cliches about hell. You've heard them all. Uh, have you ever heard this one? You'll have to get in line behind me if you want to go to hell. Yeah. Save me a seat in hell. Hey, listen, my brother used to say before he died, God bless him, I hope he got right with God. He said, I won't be the only one dragging them chains over them coves. Hey, listen, you've heard this one. The party can't start till I get there. I, I was uh, talking to a preacher one time and he told me this story about a young boy. He was kind of retarded and they went out visiting. 
uh, uh, knocking on doors in the community. And this man was a real smart aleck and got this little boy confused and got him to crying and laughing at him when he told him about heaven and about hell. And the little boy got so frustrated he finally said, well, you just go on to hell then. And he walked off crying. About two days later, this man come to the preacher beating on the door with tears running down his face. He said, preacher, you gotta help me. Something's wrong with me. That little boy told me to go to hell. That little boy told me to go to hell and I know I'm going to hell. Preacher, I need help. Listen, hell is a reality tonight, folks. Our brother Reed Callahan that passed away not long ago, he made the statement, I knew him as a boy growing up. He's one of the meanest men I ever knew in my life. There was nothing that man wouldn't do when he was lost without God. And he'd laugh at preachers when they'd talk to him and say, hey, honey, I was born for hell. You can go on, Willie Ab, you can leave me alone. I was born for hell. And uh, the pastor I was saved under, and he was saved under, uh, knocked on his door and talked to him about hell one day and about getting saved. And he laughed at him, told him the same thing. I was born for hell. Uh, that next night, about two o'clock in the morning, Brother Reed was knocking on his window, saying, preacher, <laughs> I don't want to go to hell, preacher. I don't want to go to hell. I'm not, I'm, I'm not born for hell, preacher. I want to go to heaven. Would you help me? Would you help me? Listen, the Bible said every idle word, every idle word, every cliche is going to come into judgment. I remember back when I was out in the world running. You remember the old song, Highway to Hell? Many of you remember that, don't you? Bob Scott uh, was the leader of that group and sung that song. And the story goes when Bob Scott died that all his band members and all of his group got around his grave and drank alcohol and urinated on his grave and cussed God for taking him away. Let me tell you something tonight. If Bob Scott could open his eyes and Bob Scott could talk to you tonight, listen, he'd say, get off of that highway to hell. Don't stay on that highway to hell. I know what it's like. I'm here now. Don't get on that highway. Get off of that highway. Here we find in the scripture, not only cliches, God help us. There's a contrast I want to look at just for a minute. The Bible said here that the roles of these two men were reversed. Everything in their life, everything in their death, everything in their eternity was totally different, preacher. Everything about them was totally different. But there was one thing that was not different. One thing about them, listen, was just alike. And that's the door of death. That one thing, the Bible said it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. The Bible said in, I believe it's Ecclesiastes chapter number eight, the Bible said, thank God that there's one event that's common to man, and that's death. There's one thing that all of us are gonna pass through if Jesus don't come saved or lost, we're gonna die. So through this door of death, that the rich man walked through. Listen, because he rejected Christ, because he was not saved, he walked beyond the reach, preacher of God's mercy. Reality set in, the Bible said, and it came to pass. Listen, the book said in James chapter number two, for he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy. There's three undeniable facts right here set forth in this scripture that I believe it's going to tell us and reveal to us 
that this man had walked and went beyond the reach of God's mercy. Boy, I see, I was preaching this morning, I was thinking, Brother Chris, Brother Dennis, how many times did God keep you from getting killed and going to hell? How many times did God save you by his mercy and keep you from getting killed in places you was in, in bar rooms, in fights, all those things that we went through? How many times did God keep us from going to hell? How merciful was God to us all through our life? Oh my God, I can think of time after time after time how that guns were pulled, knives were pulled, being in cars going around and around in the middle of the road. Listen, God was merciful. But there's a time when you leave this earth, there will be no more mercy, preacher. There'll be no more love and concern. There'll be no more love and kindness from God. Mercy will be over with. First of all, I want to say the reason I know that he was beyond the reach of mercy is because he was conscious. Look at this. The Bible said that there was a certain beggar named Lazarus laid at his gate and he was full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. It said it came to pass that beggar died. <laughs> and, was, and the Bible said he was carried by the angels unto Abraham's bosom. And it said that rich man died and in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom, he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. He said, for I am tormented in this flame. I want us to look at three things right here. Now I said, he's beyond the reach of mercy because he is conscious. Listen, he is conscious physically. He has all of his five senses right here. Look, he could see. Look at verse number 23. In hell, he lift up his eyes. In verse number 27, look at it. It says, then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that there would ascend into my house. In other words, he replied after hearing what Abraham had told to him. So he could hear. In verse 23, he could feel. Look at it. He said, in hell, he lift up his eyes being in torments. In verse number 24, he said, let Lazarus come and dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. He could taste, preacher, he could taste that water. And then listen, he could smell. You know what's in hell? The Bible tells us in Revelation 20 and 10 that there's fire and brimstone. Do you know what brimstone is? Brimstone is sulfur. And the Bible says over in the Old Testament that the smell in hell is so foul, it's such a stench that you cannot breathe there. I know I've got a good friend that's a fireman and he's talked to me about fires and how they deal with them. He said the worst thing about being around a fire and being in a fire when you're working one, he said is the smoke. The Bible said there in the book of Revelation chapter 14 that the smoke of their torment rose forever and ever. Now some people tell you that fire's not real, but I'm telling you tonight that fire is just as real as any fire you've ever seen. You say, how can there be fire? If there's, uh, if there's a light, the Bible said in hell it's outer darkness. Well, I've seen this done before. I don't know if you've ever seen this experiment or not. All you have to do 
is to take ether out of fire and it'll burn black, preacher. Have you ever seen that? I believe God wouldn't have any trouble taking one element out of that fire, do you? The Bible said it will be darkness like none that's ever been, outer darkness, darkness that you can feel. But listen, the Bible said where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Can you imagine the smell forever and forever and forever of burning flesh? I know this man that got caught on fire and his britches caught on fire and it, well, it melted that fabric to his legs and he could smell his own flesh burning and crisping. Can you imagine the smell that's in hell tonight? That, that sulfur, you want to throw up and ease your stomach and you can't. Can you imagine the terrible smell that it's in hell and the smoke? Uh, uh, Brother Shane told me that when the smoke gets on you and gets in your eyes and gets in your nostrils that you absolutely cannot breathe if you get a good whiff of that. That's why they tell you to stay right down uh, close to the floor. But this man had all of his senses. All five of his senses was working. All these body parts, listen, there was eyes. The Bible said there's gnashing of teeth. The Bible said in the book of Mark, if your foot offends you, cut it off lest you go into hell. He said it'd be better for you to go into life maimed. He said if your hand is offending God, cut it off. If your eyes offending God, pluck it out. For it'd be better for you to go into life maimed and just having one eye than to go into hell where the worm dieth not. The Bible said and the fire is not quenched. Where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Not only is he conscious physically but listen, he's conscious mentally. Look at verse number 25. The Bible said, but Abraham said, son, remember, remember, remember that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. It said, but now he's comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this, there's a great gulf fixed between me and you. But listen, mentally, the Bible said he could remember. He said, remember in thy lifetime. Remember. Can you think of God all eternity through hell remembering that you could have been saved? Remembering all the things that you had. Remembering every message that you heard. I believe his whole life played before him. He said, remember thou in thy lifetime. Listen. The Bible said there in the book of James chapter number five, he said, go to and howl, rich man. He said, those riches that you've had, that gold and silver is gonna be just like a canker and it's gonna eat away at your flesh just like fire. That's what happened to this rich man. Listen, he remembered, brother Chris, the, the luxury. He said, you remember in your lifetime you had the good things. He had the fine clothes, the linen and purple and he had the fine food. He had a great big mansion. The Bible said that that rich man was laid at his gate. That tells me that that was a huge house in that day, that it had a gate in front of it. And that rich man was, or that beggar was laid at his gate every day, full of sores. And the Bible said that dogs came and licked his sword. Boy, I tell you, that, God just reminded me of something from years ago. Della know what I'm talking about. We had friends in South Carolina, and they had this little chihuahua dog, and she loved me. And I had a great big wart right here on my hand. You can see where it used to be. 
That little dog, every time I went down there, preacher, would come around every time it got up on my lap and he'd lick that sore right there. He'd lick that wart. I don't know how long it was, how long it done it, but after a while, that wart fell off of my hand where that dog had licked that, that wound, that wart. I'm just wondering. You know, dogs were wild in those days. They weren't domesticated pets. God made it to where those dogs didn't eat that man. It said he was full of sores and they came and licked his sores and mollified. I believe those sores just for a little mercy, just for a little comfort for that man. But the, the Bible said, listen, he said, remember thou in thy lifetime all the luxury, all the good things that you had, all the good food that you ate. And the Bible said that rich or that beggar was just there at his gate, laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. It didn't say he got fed. It just said he wanted those crumbs and desired those crumbs. And as I said, he was living in a mansion. He was living in a place that had a gate on the front of it. And listen, the Bible said not only did he remember the luxury, not only did he remember the lifestyle, he probably had the best of the best, everything that you could imagine. But the Bible said also, he said, you remember in thy lifetime you had good things, but you remember Lazarus had his evil things. Not only did he remember the luxury and the lifestyle, but he remembered Lazarus. He remembered Lazarus laying there. How would it be with us, I wonder, if there was an old bum, an old beggar, come in front of our house and laid down and begged? Would we treat him like the rich man did? Uh, would we do him like that? Would we say, I wish the law would do something with that old bum? If you ever go to Jamaica, you'll see a whole lot of that, won't you, preacher? Oh, yeah. Listen, <laughs> what would we do if Lazarus was laid at our gate full of sores, begging to be fed with the crumbs off our table? Would we have mercy? Listen, the Bible said mercy <laughs> rejoices against judgment. <laughs> would we be able to reach out a hand and help him? What good is it if we see him and pass by and say, boy, something needs to be done about that guy and do nothing herself. What did Jesus say about that? He said, if you've done it to the least of these my little ones, you've done it to me. Listen, the Bible said, how are they brought into desolation as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. That word desolation means to be alone. The Bible said the sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has surprised the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? Listen, in hell there'll be constant loneliness. In hell there'll be constant fear. That's what the Bible said. You'll be consumed with terrors. The Bible says in Revelation 14 there'll be relentless torment. It says there'll be unconsolable grief, weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. Listen, in verse number 27, it said then, he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would ascend into my Father's house. That tells me he had the, the ability to reason. He had the ability to think back. And he had the ability to say, well, if you can't send Lazarus and I can't pass over and he can't come to me and I can't go to him, therefore, he said, send him to my father's house. Verse 30 says he had the ability to argue 
and dispute with Abraham. So mentally, his functions was all right there. Listen, it said he saw Abraham and Lazarus in his bosom afar off. There was a great gulf fixed, the Bible said. Boys, I believe really in hell. When people go to hell, I believe God prepares them a body that where all their functions are enhanced. You think he saw them and he heard afar off what Abraham was saying to him. How could he do that? That far away, it said there was a great gulf fixed. God's going to prepare a body in hell, folks. Just like he's going to prepare one in heaven. I believe that. Listen, the Bible said some people's going to be beat with many stripes. Amen, like old Hitler. Like those that have killed people and maimed people and had no mercy upon people. Listen, God said there'll be no mercy given to you if you don't show mercy. But the Bible says there mentally, mentally, his function, mentally, he was beyond the reach of mercy. And then notice spiritually in verse number 26, the Bible said, and beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Spiritually, there was a great gulf fixed there. Spiritually, he was totally separated from God. The Bible said in Proverbs 15, 11, hell and destruction are before thee. Listen, he, as I said, he got his information from the other side. How did he know anything unless he was being talked to? How much more the hearts then of the children of men, the Bible said. Listen, in hell, there'll be no more church. There'll be no more preaching. There'll be no more altar calls. There'll be no more praying mothers. There'll be no more convicting power in God's spirit. There'll be no more John 3, 16. There'll be no more mercy extended, totally forsaken. Listen now. Now he gets his indictment from the other side. He got information to start with. Physically, spiritually, and mentally, he's beyond the reach of mercy. But all those things are intact. But now not only is he conscious, but I want you to notice in verse 27, 28, I believe he's convinced of some things. And I believe everybody that goes to hell and leaves here without Christ are going to be convinced of things the minute they get there. Listen, when they get beyond the reach of mercy, look what the Bible said. He said, then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would ascend into my Father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. I believe, number one, I believe that he's convinced that hell is a real place, preacher. The Bible said in hell, he lift up his eyes. Verse number 28 said, he said, I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come unto this place of torment. He's convinced that hell is a real place. He's convinced that hell is a place of torment. Listen, the Bible said, hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee. 
Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, the Bible said, to the sides of the pit. Listen, hell is just a real place. I don't care uh, what preachers say uh, that you're going to go to hell and all of a sudden, poof, you'll be burned up and you won't exist anymore. That is not what the Bible says. The Bible says the smoke of their torment arose forever and forever and forever and forever. The Bible said there at the great white throne judgment that the beast and the false prophet is going to be tossed into the lake of fire forever and forever. And those that's called up death and hell are going to be cast into the same place forever and forever. The Bible said right there, he said, I've got five brethren. I want you to send him to my brothers lest he also come to this place of torment. I believe hell is just as real as this pulpit that I'm standing on right here. Just as sure as I stand right here, you read about hell. It's got many features the Bible talks about. It's got sides, it's got gates, it's got a bottomless pit. All those things the Bible says are reality. Not only is he convinced that hell's a real place, but he's also convinced, I believe, that testifying could keep someone from going there. Look what the Bible says. I pray thee therefore, Father, that what thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. <laughs> the Bible said the wicked shall be turned into hell, and every nation that forgets God. Listen, how important is your testimony? Amen. Brother Chris, I appreciate what you preached this morning. It ain't time to quit. It ain't time to lay down. Praise God, it's time to pick the banner up. It's time to get going. It's time to tell people about Jesus. It's time to testify. Listen, how important is your testimony? Matter of fact, what is your testimony? Do you have a testimony? Can you look back to a time and a place in your life where the Spirit of God drew you to Calvary and convicted you of your sin and made you realize you was lost and you came to God and accepted Jesus Christ? Can you remember that convicting power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Boy, if you can't, if you've never been there, you better open your eyes. You better wake up. Because one day, uh, if death comes, uh, praise God, listen, if death comes and you're not ready, you'll be in the same place that this man was in. How important is your testimony? He knew Lazarus had something to share, didn't he? He said, if I can't, he said, I can't cross over and he can't come over here if I can't get that dip of water on my tongue and cool my tongue from torment in this flame. He said, at least send him to my brothers for I've got four. Listen, he was concerned about his family. But now it's too late, preacher. Now it's too late. He's also convinced, I believe, that other people can go there. He said, I've got five brothers. Go and testify, send Lazarus. Send Lazarus. Send Lazarus, he said. Lest they also come to this place of torment. I'll never forget old Brother Andrew preaching a message on one in hell and five on the way. That's what he was saying right there. There's one already in hell. Listen, he said, Therefore hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure and their glory and their multitude and their pomp and he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. How many people do we know right now without a doubt in our minds that are going to hell? How many people do you know in your family that's going to hell? How many people in your community do you know that's going to hell? 
Is your testimony important? Is your life important? He said, send Lazarus. He can testify to them. He knew Lazarus had something to share. Listen, you have something to share tonight. If you know Jesus and he lives in your heart, listen, you can tell people what he done for you. It's important that we have a testimony. It's important we do right, act right, live right, walk right, talk right. In front of this world, why? Because they're looking on and it might be that one testimony from you that'll cause somebody not to go to hell. Boy, I just thought, Brother Preacher, the Bible said, he said, send Lazarus. Let him dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. You see that drop? Preacher, the thought just hit me. I wonder right here, I wonder if that drop right there was as big as one of those crumbs, preacher, that he's begging for laying at his gate. I wonder if that little drop of water was as big as the crumb that he never got. Boy, don't you think that when that rich man got to hell and he looked back at his lifetime, don't you think for a minute that he didn't wish that he'd help Lazarus. Right, yep, Don't right. you think that he didn't wish a million times over that he had given him those crumbs, that he'd picked him up, that he'd helped him? Listen, he said, I just want one drop of water, just one, not a whole bottle, just one to cool my tongue. He said, for I'm tormented in this flame. He also saw, right quickly here, he saw also that repentance was necessary. Look at it. He was convinced of that. And the Bible said in verse 30, he said, Nay, Father Abraham, if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Repentance was necessary. Jesus said, Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Listen, the Bible said, or thou despisest the riches of his goodness, his forbearance and his long suffering, knowest thou not that his goodness leadeth men to repentance. Except people repent. The Bible said in Psalm 38, 18, he said, I will declare my sin. I will declare my iniquity. And I will be sorry for my sin. I've seen evangelists, I've heard evangelists on TV give an altar call and it, it show out in the, in the audience people coming and I've seen people, kids coming, tripping each other, popping their bubble cup. That's not Holy Ghost conviction. Listen, I always love to hear my wife give her testimony because she said when she's 11 or 12 years old as she was sitting in church and the preacher was preaching and God got on her. She said, I thought I was going to go to hell before I could get to the altar. That's Holy Ghost conviction. That's what we need in our churches today. The gospel being preached. Listen, it's the power of God unto salvation. But the Bible said, except the Father draw him, he cannot come. It's not whensoever will. It's whosoever will. When God draws people. And God wants to bless this church and my church and others with the convicting power of God's Spirit if we'll just walk right and preach that book and stay with us tough like Chris was talking about and not turn her back, stay dedicated to God and run the race that's set before us. Listen, God will send that. But listen, 
he also realized that he was eternally separated from God. Not only was he conscious, not only was he convinced, but look in verse 26, he was condemned. Beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. He said, because of that, because no mercy has been extended. Listen, I don't read anywhere. Matter of fact, in verse number 25, you read that, and that's Abraham's answer. He said, son, remember in thy lifetime, that was Abraham telling him, no, there's not going to be any mercy. No, you're not going to get that drop of water. He was condemned. Then and therefore reveals that he knew that he'd never get out. Listen, he never calls on God. He never asked to get out. He never said, let me go to my brother's house. He was resigned to the fact that his fate was sealed forever and forever. He was condemned. The Bible said in Isaiah 38 and 18, the grave cannot praise thee. Death cannot celebrate thee. They that go down to the pit cannot hope for thy truth. Upon the wicked, the Bible said, he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. Mark said again, where the worm dieth not, and the fire's not quenched. And I said, he's still asking for water. He's still asking for mercy. But listen, there's one thing through all the praying and asking that he done. There was never one prayer answered at all. There's the greatest prayer being ever been going on hell right now. But listen, he was asking the wrong person. He never called on God. Abraham could not do anything for him. They're praying and praying and praying in hell, but never is an answer coming. And they never will, preacher, because they're condemned. He knew when he said, therefore, since he can't come and give me that water because I'm here forever and I know it, I'm resigned to that fact, send him. Boy, if I was in hell, I'd be saying, let me out. God, let me out. I'd be calling on him, wouldn't you? I'd want out. I'd want out. But the Bible said that he said, you send Lazarus that he may go testify to my brothers lest they also come to this place of torment. No prayers ever answered, folks. But thankfully, last of all, I don't know how long I've preached, but it's all right. <laughs> There was a correction that was made right here. Thank God. Thank God that he corrects us sometimes, Chris. He said, listen. He said, send him to my five brethren so you may testify unto them lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, nay, Father Abraham. But if one went unto them from the dead... They will repent. Something supernatural. Something that's out of this world. Boy, a lot of religion, that's what they're wanting, ain't it? They're wanting some big smoke screen. They're wanting something that's fantastic. They're wanting some some jibber-jabber going on. You know, something that men can be amazed at. Oh, how great that is. But he said if they won't hear Moses and the prophets, they wouldn't believe though one rose from the dead and went to them. 
There was a correction that took place right there, preacher. He said, nay, Father Abraham, can you imagine saying no in the place you're at? No, send him, send him to my brothers. Maybe they'll repent if they hear from somebody that come back from the dead. But the Bible said, the Bible said, listen, if they won't hear Moses and the prophets, they wouldn't believe. Listen, it tells me two things right here, and I'm gonna close with this. It tells me that God's word is sufficient, preacher. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible said, being born again, not a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. God chose the foolishness of preaching for those that would believe to be saved. Listen, God's word is sufficient. Ain't that what Paul and Silas told that old jailer over there? He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thy house and thou shalt be saved. What did he do? He just told them the word. He just preached the word to them. He said, if you'll just believe, if you'll just do, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. How much simpler can that be, preacher? God's word is still sufficient. We don't need a smoke screen. We don't need some smooth talking devil to come in and tell us how good we are. Listen, the word of God will stand on its own. It always has and it always will. Not one jot or tittle will ever be changed in heaven. It's forever settled. Thank God if we stay with the book and just preach the word. Hallelujah to God. It'll do the trick. It'll do the job tonight. The word of God was sufficient. That's what Abraham told him. He said, let him hear Moses and the prophets. He said, nay, Abraham. Nay, Father Abraham. If one went to him from the dead, they'll be saved. <laughs> Second thing I see in this, Brother Chris, is he was telling him, the word is sufficient, but in order to be sufficient, the word must be heard. You see what it said? If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. The Bible said, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We try to gather men in. That's why the Bible said to go into highways and hedges and compel them to come in. I told about her testimony a while ago. How long has it been since you shared that? How long has it been since you told somebody what God done for you? How long has it been since you shared Jesus with somebody? Has it been a day? Has it been a week? Has it been a month? How long has it been since you told somebody about the word of God and what God said, how you could be saved? You said a while ago, you know all kinds of people that's lost. Have we told them? Are we going to be standing before God? And have him say he never mentioned him to me. Listen, the word of God is sufficient. So we need to tell them. And the Bible said in in our day, the last days, there'd come a time when there'd be a famine for the hearing of the words of the Lord. As I said before, only Jesus could relate this occurrence. 
Only Jesus could tell this story because he could see on both sides, preacher. But he said, neither will they be swayed though one rose from the dead. <laughs> I got news for you. I can tell you about the one that rose from the dead, thank God, on the third day and come out with the keys of hell and death. Thank God conquered them and took that crowd that was there in paradise to heaven and put it before the throne of God. I know the one that spoiled principalities and powers. I know the one that got up. The Bible said the Holy Ghost quickened him. On that third day, the Spirit of God said, it's time now. It's time, let's go. Uh, praise God. And the Lamb for I know the one, praise God, that got up out of the grave and the Bible said because of that resurrection, he's able to justify us before God. There was a correction made there. Now I want to ask you a serious question as we close the service tonight. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes just for a minute. I've preached to you about a terrible place called hell. I've preached to you about a real place called hell. Do you know you're saved tonight that you're not going there? Do you know that for sure? Do you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that if death come, you'd go to heaven? Is there anybody in the house tonight that don't know for sure if you're saved? Would you raise your hand, slip it up, nobody looking. Anybody in the house would say, preacher, I'm lost, I need Jesus, I'm not saved. I always like to ask that question, you never know, preacher. I want to close this invitation like this. Brother Chris, if you would, come play something right soft on the piano for us. Child of God, are you doing all you can to help people to keep from going to hell? If I've got loved ones that's lost, I wouldn't leave this building tonight. After hearing what hell is like, I don't believe I'd leave here without coming and asking God to save them without coming and asking God to touch their hearts and draw them to Calvary. Would you come tonight? If the Spirit of God draws you and God's touched your heart, you got loved ones that are lost, you'd like to see them saved. Would you come tonight and pray? If God's drawing you, and you need to pray for your loved ones that are lost, that God will reach you. Would you come?